When it comes to air quality, the bad news is that wildfires and air pollution have really degraded the quality of our air. But the good news is that we're all realizing that the quality of our air, and particularly the quality of our indoor air, is really darn important. I'm so excited to tell you about Puro Air because in 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, and gases from your room. It uses a stronger type of filter called a HEPA-14, and it filters pollutants at a microscopic level. I keep my Puro Air running upstairs where the bedrooms are all night. I love that it's quiet. Cleaner air just hits different, doesn't it? Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time for the people in the back, getpuroair.com. Well, hello, my friends, and welcome back. My name is Stephanie Safarian, and you're listening to episode 430 of Sustainable Minimalists. This is a show about intentional and eco-friendly minimalist Living. And on today's show, I am giving you four life lessons I've learned from the last nine days of my life. And you're probably thinking to yourself, who cares what you learned, Stephanie? Well, I promise you, you best believe these four lessons are universally applicable. So the last nine days of my life, it was Christmas, it was New Year's, it was that interim period in which I was home with my family gearing up, getting ready for our low spend, no spend reset January, thinking about consumption during the biggest consumer holiday there is. And so yes, today I'm bringing you four specific lessons I've learned, three of which are coming directly from our no spend or low spend January. That's happening right now, by the way. And if you have no idea what I'm talking about, please scroll down a bit in the podcast feed. You'll find two episodes dedicated to the reset. They'll give you everything you need to know. And that reminds me, before we get into today's content, listener Deborah reached out to me and she said that she listened to last Thursday's episode. It was an interview with Julie Winpinzinger, if you listen to it. Deborah wanted me and all of you to know that unroll.me does sell our data. So if you sign up, be warned, they sell your information to other entities, they gather information from your emailed sales receipts, and they sell an anonymized version of that data to third parties. So your name is not attached to it. However, if you are concerned about your privacy, as we all frankly should be, I would not suggest using Unroll Me, an option for not sacrificing your privacy. So a company that does the same thing without selling your data would be Mailbird. I have never used Mailbird, but I'm leaving it there as well. Thank you so much, Deborah, for keeping this show on the level. And thank you to all of you who reach out when I get things wrong, because heck, I'm a person. I'm not perfect. And I love that this is really a community and not just me shouting from my soapbox. All right, so now let's get into the four lessons learned. And let me say tier two, this show is basically four stories about my life. So if you love a good Stephanie story, I have four of them for you today. And the first lesson I learned, so I'm going to give you the lesson and then I'm going to tell you the story. The lesson learned is, are you ready? The lesson learned is appearance is everything. Now let me back up. Before Christmas, so maybe two to three weeks before Christmas, I went to a fancy Christmas store. I go to it 
most years, right? And I want you to picture this fancy Christmas store in your mind. It's not a chain store. It's just a local store. There are Christmas trees everywhere, dozens of Christmas trees, all perfectly decorated inside the store, twinkling lights hanging from the rafters, poinsettias everywhere. Each Christmas tree has a different theme with ornaments. So there's a sports tree, there's a love tree, there's a pets tree, there's a sweets tree. Uh, This store is a winter wonderland, a Christmas wonderland, I should say. And so before Christmas, I went to the store. I needed a tree skirt. Mine is ripped. So it wasn't, you know, a necessity, (laughs) but I, I am in the market for a tree skirt, right? They had this gorgeous tree skirt. It was handmade. It was a quilted red and white with a little bit of green tree skirt. It was hung up beautifully amongst all the other tree skirts. I loved it, but it was $75 and I am very frugal. So I did not buy the tree skirt, but I loved it. Okay. Fast forward to December 26th. So the day after Christmas, my mom calls me up and she says, Stephanie, that Christmas store that we all love, it's going out of business. Everything is heavily discounted. Do you want to go to the store? And I thought to myself, heck yes, I do. I'm thinking about that tree skirt. I'm thinking about the deals. Let's go. And so my mom and I, we meet at the store. If you're still picturing that winter wonderland in your mind, well, think again, because the store has completely transformed. Gone are the gorgeous trees. Gone is the holiday music. Gone is the pine smell. Gone is the twinkling lights, the poinsettias, all of it. It's all gone. The place almost looks like it was looted. And I'm not exaggerating. All the stuff that the store was selling, so all the wares that they're trying to get rid of, All of that also looked less fancy and less desirable. We all know, right, that all stores, every single store, they work hard on the appearance, on the ambiance, because upper management knows that when the store looks and feels great, then the wares, the stuff they're selling, also looks and feels more desirable. And so, Let's step away from this Christmas store for a minute, and let's talk about your favorite clothing store. The stuff that's placed at the front of the store, so right when you walk in, it's neatly folded. It's on a mannequin, so it's displayed on a desirable body shape. There are likely other shoppers huddled around the table at the front of the store and are therefore also huddled around all the new and well-placed stuff. So unconsciously, when you see all those people next to the table, next to the mannequin, next to the perfectly displayed stuff, you may also want to go over and see what the other people are gaping at, right? Now contrast the front of the store, the front of your favorite clothing store, with the back of your favorite clothing store. I'm thinking the sales rack in which everything is smushed together, different sizes, they're all lumped together. It's a mismatched hodgepodge disaster. And so I ask you, if price was not a factor, where would you more likely purchase from? The front of the store or the back of the store? Would you purchase the new stuff if price wasn't a factor at the front where everything's so neat and perfect and 
wonderfully displayed or would you shop the stuff in the back that's half heart, that's haphazardly stuffed onto a rack without any care or concern for appearance? So think about that as I go back to the tree skirt. The same tree skirt that hand-quilted, red-and-white, gorgeous $75 tree skirt that was now heavily discounted because, again, the store's going out of business. I loved that tree skirt three weeks ago, but I was too cheap to buy it. Well, that tree skirt is now half off, so $34.50. It was the same exact tree skirt, but the only things that changed were the ambiance of the store and the appearance of the tree skirt display. And guess what happened? That tree skirt that I loved three weeks ago, it didn't look so desirable anymore, did it? I bought no tree skirt. And so my lesson learned here is that when you shake up the way in which goods are presented and displayed, you mess with the item's desirability. And so next time you're in a store, I want you to try something. Next time you're in a clothing store and they have the brand new sweaters displayed in a perfectly uniform pile right on the table as you walk in, I want you to mess with that image. I want you instead, as you're standing over those perfect sweaters, those perfectly displayed sweaters, I want you to picture in your mind that table full of sweaters in a gigantic messy heap. What does switching up the appearance of the sweaters do for your desire of the sweater? Or let's say you're in a shoe store and you see these boots. They are just to die for. Picture in your mind changing up the appearance of the boots, the display of the boots. Maybe the boot is laying on its side. Maybe it has been kicked into a corner. Maybe it's scuffed because you can best believe that if you bring that fancy boot home, it will be scuffed on the first wear, right? It will not stay pristine forever. It's a boot. It goes on your foot. (laughs) It walks through snow. Do you still want the boot after you mentally mess with it? And so... The lesson learned here from my Christmas store experience is that appearance and ambiance is everything. When you mess with the appearance, when you mess with the ambiance, you mess with the desirability of an item. And I have a runner-up lesson learned from this experience as well, which is it is entirely possible to go to a store and buy nothing. Yes, you can do that, (laughs) right? So I went with my mom. It was a social date, let's say. I spent zero dollars and it wasn't a waste of time for me because the primary purpose of going was to see my mom. The secondary reason for going was to buy something, but I didn't buy anything and I still got to hang out with my mom. So remember that you can go to a store and you can just browse and you can buy nothing. It's really, you know, obvious, but sometimes we forget. So that's lesson learned number one. Appearance is everything. Now let's move on to lesson number two. And lesson number two is explanations are not needed. Explanations are not needed. All right. So here's the story that goes along with the lesson that I learned. (laughs) I was recently speaking with a friend about Christmas and Christmas morning and what our kids were most excited about to receive and what the big gift was that we gave our children. And so I asked my friend this question. I said, what was the big gift you got your 10-year-old? Their 10-year-old child is the same age as my oldest child. And my friend said that they got their child a big tech item, a highly desired tech item, okay? 
And then my friend asked me the same question. Well, what did you get, Ani, your 10-year-old? Almost 10-year-old, I should say. What did they get for Christmas? Ani's big gift this year was actually a Lego set. It was a big Rivendell, if you know what Rivendell is, Lego set. It came out this year, Rivendell being a major setting in the Lord of the Rings series. Ani and I are currently reading The Hobbit with plans to go on and read <laughs> Lord of the Rings. And as I'm telling my friends this, I had a major realization. And the realization is that my family, we're a family that does things a little bit differently. We're a family that is unplugged from the matrix, let's say. We're a family that doesn't play by the rules that society tells us to play by, right? By the way, what are the rules? Who made the rules? And are the rules in which we're all plugged into the matrix and in which we're all buying and doing what everyone else is buying and doing because we're unconscious to the effects of herd mentality on us as individuals. So are the rules even for our benefit at the end of the day? And so I'm talking to my friend and I'm having this realization that, oh my God, we're we're different. We might even be considered weird by other people. And I felt like then my next impulse was to over-explain. <laughs> I had to explain the fact that this Lego set, which was the Rivendell setting from the Lord of the Rings was her big gift because we're reading The Hobbit and she loves Legos. And, you know, I just felt like I really needed to talk and like explain to my friend and explain to me like why this was the big gift and why I didn't give my daughter a piece of tech. I felt almost as though I had to defend my parenting choices so that I could, I don't know, I don't even know why, maybe be liked, maybe be brought in because I felt different. I felt yeah, I felt different. I felt excluded from the herd, perhaps, is what it was. So I wanted validation from my friend that what I bought my daughter for Christmas was okay. And even saying that out loud just sounds so unbelievably ridiculous. And so I sat with this interaction after I got home and I thought about, well, why did I feel the need to explain the Lego set? Like, this is a great gift. Oh my goodness. It's amazing. And my daughter loved it. So why do I feel like I need validation from my friend who bought their child this gigantic tech gift? Why do I need their understanding, acceptance, validation? That doesn't make any sense. And so going back to the lesson I learned from this, which of course is that explanations are not needed. If I could go back and redo this interaction with my friend, I would have just said, Ani got a Lego set. That's it. No explanation is needed. Yes, my family is a little bit different. And maybe my friends think my family is a little bit weird. Who cares? I'm okay with that. I do not need to over-explain. Heck, I don't even need to explain. I do not need to compensate for the fact that my husband and I have chosen to parent differently. I need to remember my own mantra, which, of course, is that in this family, we confidently do things differently. Let's remember that it is through popular culture, social media, television especially. It's through pop culture that social norms perpetuate themselves. And so... It's prudent that we all ask ourselves, well, are we on board with the values and the lifestyle that pop culture pushes upon us? Because if the answer for you, like it is for me, is no, I'm not okay with it, 
then the first step, of course, is to step away from the social media and the TV and the other related technological ways in which we plug into the matrix. Just unplug, right? And so no shade to the parents who are giving their kids tech. You're living your values and I'm living mine. That is the beauty of living intentionally, isn't it? We all get to live the way we want. We all get to parent the way we want. We do not have to explain why we're choosing to live and parent the way we're living and parenting. As long as we're not hurting anyone and as long as we're doing the best we can do, we're doing just fine. I do not need to justify the reasons why I am keeping tech from my children for as long as humanly possible. And likewise, my friend does not need to explain to me the reasons why they got their 10-year-old this big electronic for Christmas. Because, and here's where things get really interesting, when I sat in the quiet of my own house and replayed my conversation with my friend, I realized that my friend was also doing a bit of over-explaining and justifying as well. They were trying to justify the big tech purchase in hopes that I validated their decision. So we're both doing this little dance simultaneously, aren't we? And which we're saying what we bought, and then we're trying to over-explain in hopes of getting validation for what we bought. And so it seems to me that none of us, at the end of the day, are 100% confident in what we're doing. (laughs) Perhaps none of us, when it comes to parenting, even knows what we're doing. And so as long as I'm doing the best I can within the confines of my home, and as long as you're doing the best that you can within the confines of your home, then we're all doing just fine and no explanations are needed. All right, so we're going to take our ad break. And then when we come back, I have two more lessons learned for you. One is about cleaning up my deep freezer. Yes, it is. And one is about my New Year's Day family hike. So we'll get into those two lessons learned after a quick sponsor break. Hello, Sustainable Minimalist listeners. Are you committed to living a greener and simpler life? Well, meet Home Threads, your ally in more sustainable and minimalist home decor. As the total destination for decor and furniture, Home Threads helps you define your minimalist lifestyle while respecting the planet. Discover their exclusive Haven collection. They use many sustainable materials without compromising on style. And here's the best part. Home Threads always has the best value. It was time. After nine years of living in our home, it was time to replace our outdoor furniture. And my husband and I, we went to Home Threads. We have a Home Threads patio umbrella and a new bench. And oh my goodness, we are so in love Create a home that reflects your commitment to the environment. Visit homethreads.com slash sustainable and get a code for 15% off your first order. Homethreads.com slash sustainable. Love where you live. So many of us have chaotic closets that are crammed full of clothing items and yet somehow we still have nothing to wear. Well, upgrading to high quality and affordable pieces from Quince when you need them is a game changer. They offer organic cotton sweaters and washable silk tops. My 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters are my go-to. Not only are they affordable, but the quality is top-notch 
They wear better than the cashmere sweaters that are double their price. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash sustainable podcast for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash sustainable podcast to get free shipping and 365 day returns. One more time, quince.com slash sustainable podcast. Welcome back. On today's show, we're discussing four lessons that I learned over the past nine days. And let's just refresh our memories. Lesson learned number one is that when it comes to buying stuff, appearance is everything. And lesson number two is that when it comes to explaining our choices, our parenting choices especially, we don't need to explain. No explanations needed. Now we are moving on to my defrosting the deep freezer adventure, let's say. So let me give you the lesson learned, and then I'll explain how I got there. I'll give you the story. So the lesson learned is food is primarily for sustenance. All right, so here's the story, right? If you have a deep freezer, you know that deep freezers need to regularly be thought out. Take everything out, unplug it, Let the ice that's accumulated on the coils and on the sides of the walls, let all that melt. Okay, that's a defrosting for anybody that doesn't know. I have a deep freezer. I received it for free from my town's Buy Nothing group nine years ago when we moved to town. I have never defrosted it in nine years. The ice was probably three inches thick all around and... The ice, of course, does affect the efficiency of the appliance. Now, I also want to say about my deep freezer, too. It is extremely old. I don't know how old it is because it wasn't mine to begin with. I didn't buy it. It was given to me. It is so old that when I Googled the Kenmore serial number that's written inside it, I could not find anything that comes up. That serial number is now used for a completely unrelated product on Kenmore's website. The thing is really old. And so we'll get to that in a minute. But all right. So my husband and I, we're preparing for our no spend month. No spend for us means, yes, of course, we're buying food because food is a necessity. But we're also eating the stuff we have stored in the little nooks and crannies and crevices in our house, deep freezer being one of them. So we took everything out of the deep freezer. We defrosted the thing. I made lists of of dinners that I could make from the food I've been storing in here. And obviously, we found a ton of food to eat. I wrote out nine meals, nine family meals that I could make just by using food that we found in the freezer. Nine meals. Think about how much money you would spend on a meal at a restaurant for four people. At least a hundred bucks, right? A hundred times nine. So theoretically, I could save $900 by not eating out and instead just eating the food I had in my freezer. Like, obviously, right? (laughs) Obviously, I'm going to do that. Maybe not $900. Maybe that's a little excessive. Let's say $750, okay? So yes, I found a ton of food to eat. We're going to eat it because obviously food waste sucks. Wasting money sucks. But to be honest, the food that we found was not all that appealing. Why would I eat? slightly freezer-burned green beans when I could order out something super tasty, super warm, super amazing in terms of flavor, right? 
Well, I'm on a low spend challenge, so green beans it is. <laughs> and as I was preparing one freezer meal and eating it, I learned that I do not have to eat like a queen every single night. And that's because I can indeed be nourished by a plate of food that I don't particularly enjoy. Now, what on earth do I mean by this? Let's remember utility. Food is primarily its number one reason for existing. Food is primarily for sustenance. The second reason food exists is, you know, to have that stellar taste bud experience. But the primary reasons we eat food is to sustain our existence and nourish our bodies. The second reason we eat food is, again, to have that amazing taste experience. And so that's not to say we should never eat food that tastes divine. It is to say that we do not have to eat divine, rich, amazing, taste bud-loving food at every single meal. We have confused this in our 2024 existence, haven't we? DoorDash, Uber Eats. We can have an amazing taste bud experience every single night of the week if we wanted to, right? It is so easy to forget about sustenance in favor of flavor these days. Collectively, like as a culture, we tend to be more focused on short-term hedonistic pleasure And when we're focused on short-term hedonistic pleasure, we tend to forget that what's tasty, let's say, at the moment may not be what's best for us in the long run. So let's remember, if the primary purpose of eating food is to nourish our bodies and keep our bodies working and alive, some foods perform these tasks better than others. My green beans and bread that I found in my deep freezer, they very likely perform food's primary utility better than pizza takeout, which, by the way, I love. But pizza takeout, followed by Chinese takeout the next night, followed by burrito takeout the next night, and then McDonald's takeout the night after that, yes, it is super convenient, and it absolutely gives your taste buds that party in your mouth, But there are drawbacks. There are health drawbacks. There are financial drawbacks. And so next time you want to order out, and remember, I'm not saying don't eat out ever again. Definitely do it, but do it in moderation. Next time, remember, food is for sustenance. Now, runner-up lesson learned to defrosting my freezer is this. Things are just not made the way they used to be. And I'm not talking about food. I'm talking about appliances and electronics. A listener in our closed Facebook group, Sustainable Minimalists, wrote a few weeks back a question. And they asked, you know, should we be replacing appliances that still work but are not energy efficient? Great question, right? And the answer is convoluted at best. If you're doing a kitchen renovation and you're getting rid of your inefficient dishwasher anyway, then it were and it works but you're renovating so you're getting rid of it obviously right it's a no brainer yes you're going to upgrade to the energy efficient dishwasher of course but for other appliances like my deep freezer i believe that the answer gets murkier the thing is made to last this deep freezer i could not even find how old it was online the serial number i already mentioned yeah i can't even find the model on on the internet this thing is pre internet <laughs> This thing may even be pre-Stephanie, and I was 
born in 1984. I don't know how old it is, and I can't find out. It's really freaking old. But even though it's old, it works like a tank. So who knows how many, if I were, if I were to get rid of this thing that is built to last, who knows how many energy efficient but cheaply made and designed to break freezers I would go through if I were to, again, upgrade this item. We have to keep in mind an item's before life, the metals, the fossil fuels used to make the plastics, and more that go into the manufacturing of any product, but this product, this deep freezer in particular. I am not replacing this freezer anytime soon. And it's not actually for environmental reasons. It's actually because of financial reasons. I do not have 600-ish dollars at the moment to replace something that I already own that's working the way I need it to work. And so again, the answer is murky and convoluted as to whether you should replace old stuff that's working. If you have any thoughts or numbers that I can put to this question, absolutely send them my way. But lesson learned runner-up from my defrosting adventure is that things truly are not made the way they used to be made. This freezer is very likely an 80s or older freezer, and it is still happily humming along. Do you think that if you bought a 2024 just-made freezer today, do you think you'd have that freezer for 40 years? Heck no. And that's because things aren't made the way they were once made. All right, we're moving on to my final lesson learned in the last nine days. It's a shorter one. The lesson learned is this. Dosage and repetition work. So let's get into the story. On most New Year's days, my family attempts a hike. It's not a tradition. I wouldn't say it's a tradition, but it's a quiet day. And as long as the trails are somewhat clear, we do tend to go on a hike on New Year's Day. Over three years ago, I recorded an episode with Katie Bowman and It was number 223. I'll link to it in the show notes. It was a really good episode as I pat myself on the back about it, but it was a good episode. Katie brought the content. The episode was all about reclaiming movement opportunities in a culture that has engineered out opportunities to move our bodies thanks to our collective reverence for convenience and by consequence, sedentarism. Three years ago, my daughters were then six and three. I asked her, how do I get my daughters outside more? Heck, how can I even get my daughters to go on a family walk without all the whining that ruins the walk, right? (laughs) Like, I remember asking her this question because family walks were miserable. You have to put on the gloves, the hats, uh, bring the snack, and then you finally get outside and the whining starts almost the second that little feet hit the trail. So I asked Katie, well, you know, what do I do here? How do I get my kids to like the outdoors? Katie gave an awful lot of advice, but the gist of her advice was essentially to give my daughters regular exposure to the outdoors. And the reason is we as parents need to harden off our kids, basically, so that they will be successful outside. She suggested that I and you and all of us, we remember dosage and repetition. Give them opportunities to go outdoors every single day. Start with a 15-minute walk to cultivate the practice and make sure you do it 
often, if not every day, often set the stage that this is what we do in this family. This is the culture of the family. And so three years ago, I took Katie's advice. And yeah, there was lots of whining. There was lots of lost gloves. There was lots of complaints. But three years later, after getting Katie's advice, I am happy to report that on New Year's Day this year, my family of four plus my dog went on a one-hour-long hike in the woods, and there was not a single whine. Yep, I know. I'm so excited. If I'm being fully honest, I will say that my older daughter did shove my younger daughter for no reason, and there was an accompanying whine. (laughs) But that was it. There were no whines about the actual hike. There were many more moments of laughter and joy and surprise, particularly as we found 48, I believe it was, 48 trees that were gnawed down by beavers. Yes, my daughters counted the trees. And then we found the subsequent beaver dam. And so it's true. I am on the other side now, and I can finally say loud and proud that in instances of parenting and instances of getting our kids outdoors, but in life, right? In all instances, if we want to cultivate a habit, yes, it's true. Dosage and repetition do indeed work. When seeking to cultivate some new habit, some practice, whatever the practice is, start small, increase the dosage over time, and repeat. Simple as that. That is our show today. If you loved it, I hope you loved it. If you loved it, please leave the show a quick rating or review. Thank you, thank you, thank you for doing so. A rating will take you half a second. A review will take you a little longer, but I do read them. It's the number one way to support the show, and it just so happens to cost no money. Speaking of spending no money, our Facebook group, Sustainable Minimalists, is ablaze with our No Spend January Reset Talk. So come join us over there. Link in the show notes. I will see you tomorrow for headlines. Reach out if you need me, and take care.